Tom Tiles is an award-winning journalist, producer, and he has created print, video, and social media content for Intel, the Museum of Tolerance, the Milken Family Foundation, and those um, kind of fancy people. Those kind of fancy people. This guy's Smart a connected people. dude. Huffington Post, Newsweek, New York Times Magazine, Interview wow. Magazine, Paris Review, Forbes.com, LA Times. Goes on and on and on. Here's the thing you should check out. It's a podcast that he co-hosts about journalism called The Buried Lead, L-E-D-E, available on iTunes. Or just go to his website, TommyWood.com. Oh. See what he did yeah, there? Yeah, smart. Tom Tyholtz on the line with us. Tom, uh, first question I have for you. Well, first of all, I'm pronouncing your last name right, am I not? You are. Great job. Well, I, I, I got to admit something. I went to introduce you, and, I, and during the last segment, I was thinking, ooh, I'm not quite sure how to how to pronounce his name, so I sent a quick text to Bryn, our mutual friend, and th- <laughs> thankfully she didn't throw me under the bus. She could have just told me something horrible, and I would have <laughs> slaughtered it. Um, Tom, first question I have for you is, um, please tell me that the moving of the American embassy in Israel wasn't just a suck-up to evangelicals. What do you think about all that? Well, I think that, like many things, uh, our president uh, here in the uh, country south of you uh, does, um, it's, a, it's a distraction. It's a way to uh, distract people from the more serious issues. Um, in Israel, the Israeli parliament, the Knesset, is located in Jerusalem, as are all the ministries, as is the Supreme Court. And um, the notion that West Jerusalem would be the is the capital of Jerusalem um, is not a novel idea, um, but I think Trump, as usual, um, makes a great pronouncement that stirs up conflict um, that helps his reality show that he's running and distracts from the other problems that we have. Similarly, for the Israelis and their current government. Uh, This announcement, um, the Palestinian uh, protests against it and the revolts and the protests by the Arab uh, Israelis, uh, again, allows the government to say, you see, we don't have a partner for peace, and distracts from their own uh, internal problems that they have. So um, I think it's a, uh, um, I think it was done like sending a one missile into Syria or uh, making an announcement about the opioid war, um, which were uh, big talk, uh, nothing that really touches the American people or the, uh, has any impact on American soil. Right. Okay. Well, I read an article recently that suggested uh, this was a suck-up move to the evangelicals because the evangelical Christians want Jesus to come soon and uh, return again. And according to eschatological viewpoints that are out there, if uh, there, there's something to do with the, if the if the American embassy is in Jerusalem, this is going to help the rebuilding of the temple. And I don't see the connection. I don't get it. I really don't. Well, well look, I can discuss that in a second, but there's no question that this was a way for President Trump to talk to his base and to say to them, look, I made a promise while I was campaigning that I was going to do this. I'm someone who keeps his promises. And particularly um, um, right-wing Jewish supporters, uh, such as um, uh, such as Sheldon Adelson, 
are very happy with this decision. In fact, there was a full-page ad in the New York Times thanking uh, President Trump by the Jewish Republican Committee. Now, as to your claim about whether this will um, help, whether the evangelicals support this because it will help bring uh, the coming of Christ, um, you know, they're, they're always looking for signs, aren't they? <laughs> and, and, and this is, you know, they'll take any sign they can get. Yeah. And this is just, you know, they'll claim this as their own yes. because it serves their um, purposes. Well, who knew that the evangelicals would be sign language specialists, hey? Eh? Ah. <laughs> um, okay, Tom, uh, you're on the show today because I have a couple of good friends who are Jewish and they're your friends, and they said, I, I, I reached out and I said, hey, listen, who would be someone good to have on our Hanukkah show that is insightful, is, 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 is sharp, quick-witted, and, uh, and Jewish? And they said, well, we don't know anybody like that, but maybe Tom Tyholtz could be the guy that you have on your show. I'm happy to represent. All right, there you go. So I remember back in, my, in, in the early days of doing this show, 15 years ago, I, I, I cringe when I think about this now, but I would ask someone like Amy Grant, you know, how does your faith in Jesus affect your work? How does it come through in your work? And, and, uh, and I think, Ugh, you know, I'm not, I, get, I get the point of the question, but it just seems so pigeonholy. And so I'm going to do the same thing again 15 <laughs> years later with you. I mean, you're a Jewish man. You're, you're, you're an award-winning Jew, uh, journalist, award-winning Jew. Um, <laughs> how did, does your Judaism play any role in what you do for a living? Listen, um, uh, my father, who uh, was someone who was a, um, not only survivor of the Holocaust, but a underground resistance leader, and went on to do, run a relief organization after um, the Second World War, which rescued um, Jewish refugees, and then when he moved to America, was very involved uh, in uh, Jewish uh, philanthropic organizations, rescue organizations. I said of my father at his funeral that he didn't breathe uh, a breath in his life that wasn't Jewish. Um, I can't say the same for myself, but I can say that certainly um, my Jewish learning and my uh, upbringing and my education and my beliefs inform uh, the fact that I'm a reporter and a journalist and someone who wants to share what I know and what I learn uh, with the world. Um, uh, some of that is no doubt informed by, by um, my religion and my education, Jewish education. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, is there a, um, do, do Jews have the spiritual gift of cynicism? Huh. Um, well, certainly, I don't know if it's cynicism, but certainly built into the um, experience is the is uh, certainly not only Talmudic disputation, yeah. but you know, in Judaism, uh, as I often say to the people who accost me on the street, who are religious and who want me to pray with them, uh, I say to them, "Is there a Jewish pope?" And when they say no, I say, "Well, then don't tell me what to do." So I think that it's not so much cynicism as it is um, a sort of decentralization that allows uh, individual Jews and groups of Jews to um, 
be to have different opinions about um, how they worship and their belief, and and similarly brings a inquiring mind to all subjects. Tom, do you do you then think that? Uh, gee, you got me thinking about so many different questions, and I, unfortunately, I. I've just got to go with the one that jumped out ahead of all the rest, which has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. Uh, but do you think we'll ever have a Jewish we? You will ever have a Jewish president? Why not? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you know. Well, how come it, how come it hasn't happened yet? Uh, you know, uh, there's, no, there's no impediment I see to there being one. Right, but how come it hasn't happened yet? Uh, that, you know, is not something that I can answer, but um, uh, I can also say that um, when Abraham Lincoln died, um, the, a famous rabbi in Cincinnati, uh, Rabbi Stephen Wise, who was the um, founder of Reform Judaism in America, gave a eulogy, which can be read Online, it's a, it's there to be uh, to be found. Uh, Rabbi Wise's eulogy in 1865 for Abraham Lincoln, and in part of the eulogy, Rabbi Wise says, um, "And you know, um, Lincoln uh, often said to me that he was bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, and that Lincoln believed that he descended from Jewish forebears. So perhaps we've already had our." first Jewish president. Wow. Wow. Um, there, there's something about, maybe it's just the, 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 the Jews I hang out with, okay? The ones I hang out with are pretty, well, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, Tom, so I'm just going to say it. They're pretty potty mouth. Uh, they're they're pretty chilled about all of the rules that say Orthodox Judaism kind of. In other words, they're they're Reformed Jews, I guess, in many cases, or they're just culturally Jewish. Um, I have yet to really meet many who are um, who are. Uh, this is going to be horrible. Yeah, I want you to correct everything I'm saying. That's so horribly yeah, wrong. I'm letting you hang yourself. I know. I know. I've I've hardly met any real Jews. How do you like them apples? You know they're well, not. Yeah. First of all, I would say that they're all real Jews. Right, Again, right, right. Yeah. Going back to my, uh, there is no Jewish pope. Um, uh, Judaism is an is a religion that does not have a um, loyalty oath or a um, or an observance test that qualifies you or disqualifies you from being a Jew. Right. So um, you know, but. If what you mean by that is you haven't met that many um, observant, observant. Uh, a strictly observant or um, strictly orthodox or ultra-orthodox practitioners, then I would say uh, get out a little more. <laughs> uh, uh, there are plenty of them in the world. Uh, uh, their demographics are growing rapidly. Uh, I'm sure there are many in Toronto. And, uh, um, you know, you just got to go out and... Uh, make it your business to meet them. Is there a hope that that you, Tom Tyholtz, will I don't know as you get closer to death, take your Judaism more seriously and become more orthodox? Ooh, how do you? Uh, that's just a horrible question. How am I yeah. in broadcasting? How did that even happen, Tim? Don't even know. Uh, listen, uh, um, again, I am very satisfied with my relationship 
with God in my spiritual practice. <laughs> so I, I don't feel that it's in any way uh, lesser or needs to be more. I think that's a, uh, uh, a false characterization or certainly one you could ask of yourself better than asking of me. Well said. I love it. Uh, 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 but let, let's, uh, if you don't, and I don't mean to hijack your conversation. Oh, but you will. But given that this is a, <laughs> a Hanukkah show, let's talk a little bit about Hanukkah. How about that? How about a little uh, Hanukkah talk? I went to my first Hanukkah service the other day, last week, Wednesday. And this was my experience. Uh, families, children, food, and songs about food. Did I miss something? You missed the most important part, the lighting of the candle. Well, yeah, but that was like a one-minute thing. I mean, in an hour, they did one minute on the candle. The rest of it was just family celebration and eating and songs. Exactly. and while those candles burn uh, throughout the night. Now, if you think about... Um, the darkness, the darkness that envelops us at this time of year, both literally and metaphorically, mm. having a light against that darkness, darkness is a very powerful concept. So imagine being a persecuted minority, uh, being a, a minority that is literally fighting to survive, and in your darkest moment being presented with light and being able to enjoy that light with friends and family and yes eat food that has been cooked in the oil which was used uh, which can, which was also used to burn light um, I think that's a very powerful message and a very powerful um, holiday you know uh, Tommy in light of the persecution that your father went through, his story, of course, which I want you to share just a little bit more about that. It, it, it makes me go back into sort of you again, which is why you're on the show, but have you been persecuted? And I, and I bring that up because I often hear Christians go on about how oh, they're, they're persecuted you know, because of their faith. And when I look into it, no, they were persecuted because they were idiots. It had nothing to do with their faith. Like this moron up in Alaska, this preacher who we're going to talk about later on the show, who goes into the Santa uh, display where the children are lined up, and he starts yelling at all the parents and, and uh, kids that there's no such thing as Santa, and you got to believe in Jesus. I mean, you know, he's not going to get persecuted because of his faith. He's going to get, you know, punched in the face because he's a moron. Yeah, yeah. So, I hear what you're saying. So have you ever been persecuted? Right. So here's my answer to that, which is to say that when I grew up, um, growing up in the United States, going to um, good, you know, private schools and private colleges and, you know, good graduate schools, um, my experiences of anti-Semitism were um, hardly at all, har hardly at all. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in college in Vermont, um, I would be in situations where occasionally someone made a crack about Jewish lightning, which referred to someone burning their house down for the money. Um, I once had someone tell me that their grandmother in North Carolina used to have a house on their sign that said, um, no dogs or Jews allowed, and that he said with a chuckle, and you see, uh, dogs came second. 
because they were less offensive. Mm. Uh, um, That was about the extent of it. And I would say until about 2000, I fully was of the opinion that the anti-Semitism, which had existed even in the United States in the 30s, um, anti-Semitism that prevented people going to schools and jobs and where people were being beat up, um, was a thing of the past. Hmm. And then... Um, there was a, what I will now refer to, um, and what Bernard-Henri Lévy referred to as a hinge event, um, the murder of Daniel Pearl in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. When Daniel Pearl was murdered in Pakistan um, for the crime of being a Jew, which is what he was forced to say in the video before he was beheaded, the world changed. There was now going to be, and there now was, anti-Semitism of the kind um, that my father had experienced uh, going on in the world. And yes, since then, we have seen uh, in France, uh, in other countries, uh, people who are attacked just for the crime of being a Jew. Uh, do I feel that uh, that happens in the United States? Well, again, when I watched the protesters in Charlottesville chanting, Jews will not replace us, um, I didn't imagine that would be happening again in the United States. Incredible. And if you look at the ADL statistics, um, the amount of attacks on Jews and Jewish institutions um, is rising. So um, I have to say that, although, again, I thought this was a thing of a past, it may not be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on the line with uh, uh, Tom Tyholtz. He's an award-winning journalist and producer. Um, of all the people you've interviewed, I get asked this question all the time. I mean, you're known for a lot of your interviews. Of all the people you've interviewed, who's blowing you away? Who's blown me away? That's a tough question. Um, You know, often, and I'm sure this is your experience, it's sometimes engaging with them is a pleasure. Like you're spending, it's like heaven, uh, which is the way I felt when I interviewed Mel Brooks. Um, I just felt like, oh, my God, Mel Brooks laughed at one of my jokes. You know, it doesn't get better than that. (laughs) Uh, um, uh, certainly, I've had um, uh, conversations with people. Um, I recently interviewed uh, the French philosopher and journalist Bernard-Henri Lévy, who I just quoted, and sort of, again, being able to engage with him, who is, you know, gazillion times smarter than I am, but kind of hold my own, uh, uh, was an amazing experience, and I felt like, you know, I got a lot out of it. Um, occasionally you find yourself, uh, again, when I listen to your interview with James Brown from 2006, I mean, you know, how good does it get to actually be there letting him talk? Yeah, yeah, there's no <laughs> that, question. That's my experience. I mean, I really, you know, am a generalist, yeah. and often I'm just, you know, can't believe that I'm in the room or, or on the line, as the case may be, uh, getting to engage with amazing people. I want to ask you a, a favor, if you don't mind, Tom. I, 
would you mind coming back on our show again? Anytime you want, Drew. I'm asking publicly because I just want to guilt you into saying yes. No guilt at all. No guilt at all. Guys like you and I like to talk. <laughs> Man, so good. So good. Tom Tyholtz. Uh, Tommywood.com is the place you want to go, and you want to check out his podcast, his aforementioned podcast about journalism called The Buried Lead, uh, L-E-D-E, and it's available on iTunes. Go there. Do it. Check it out. Tommywood.com. Tom? And happy Hanukkah and I, a Merry Christmas to all. He's always ahead of the Aye. game. I can't even say Happy Hanukkah first. He's got to do it. We can edit that later. Tom, happy Hanukkah, buddy. Great to chat Thank with you. you. I look forward to meeting you one of these days. Okay, me too. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.